0: Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. I want to I want to welcome you. I want to tell you that I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful for our team that is here. They've been here for hours. We've got people serving in CP kids. We've got the the worship team that was here late Wednesday night here early this morning serving this place to prepare an atmosphere. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the team that's upstairs. I'm thankful for people who are greeting you at the door, who are serving this place, who come in during the week and help clean this place to prepare it for you. It's not just something you just show up and it just happens. There's lots of faithful servant leaders here, and I'm thankful. Can we give them a hand as well for all they do. Come on. So we've been on this series called I Don't Know What I Believe. And I think it is so important. I would say that it is paramount that we now put our theology in place for that. When times of crisis come, when times of persecution come, you're not sitting there trying to figure out what you believe and what's real and what isn't. That we've got to put these things in place ahead of time. So the first week we talked about the Bible. We talked about how does does the Bible piece together? Who decided what was in the Bible? How do you have over 40 authors, 2,000 years worth of history decided to put into one little thing with a pretty leather cover with your name on it, probably in gold. I don't know why it's always in gold. And we talked about that. Last week, we talked about angels. Do they exist and are they still around in today's society? This week, we're going to be talking about the demonic kingdom. We're going to be talking about what are the strategies of Satan and what is real, what is it, it, what isn't, what powers does he have? have what powers does he not have and believe it or not i actually have to split this into two parts and so i was studying and i thought man this is either going to be a 2 hour message or i've got to split it into two parts and so here is the the Oops, sorry. We're going old school too, so like, this is a classroom type setting, which is why we have the whiteboard out. I don't always have this, but I wanted to give some of you guys flashbacks to your years in high school, and and some of you that was a while ago. You actually walked the hallways with Moses, but but and some of you were actually. I'm not going to mention names, uh, but some of you, uh, <laughs> I heard someone say, uh, but some of you, you're in school right now. So here you go, PTSD for your remedial math class. Are you ready? This is the blueprint of where we're going today. So if you're a note taker and you're a bit OCD and you like things a certain way, this is totally your jam. But this is going to be the verse that I really want us to highlight today. This is going to be kind of the skeletal structure of everything we're talking about. It's Ephesians 6.12. This is written by the Holy Spirit through Paul to the church in Ephesus. And he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers and the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The crazy part is, is that more people actually believe in the devil than they believe that heaven exists, which doesn't make any sense to me. But this is going to be our structure. And I want to let you know right off the bat that Jesus confirmed that this kingdom is there. Really, the idea that we're going to be talking about today is that Satan is the great counterfeit. Satan counterfeits everything that God created because Satan doesn't have the power to create something out of nothing. It's called ex nihilo. He doesn't have that power. So what does he do? He creates the counterfeit of it. And Jesus confirmed this. So Jesus is, is, you know, Terrorizing the religious crowd as as Jesus did. The religious people hated Jesus. Sinners, people caught in bondage of addiction, they loved Jesus. They were drawn to him. It wasn't the sinners that put Jesus on the cross. It was the religious people. Let that sink in. And so when Jesus is casting out demons and healing people, the religious people didn't like it because it's messing up the status quo. And so they start calling him Beelzebub. They start saying, Well, he's using the power of Satan to do these things. And I want you to hear what Jesus says. This recorded in the tax collector Matthew. Matthew's Gospel 12, 24 through 28. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that follows, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Underline that, because we're going to talk about unity in the church. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is the strategy of Satan. I want you to write this down. The great counterfeit, the great counterfeit. If Satan has no ability to create something, then he can only create the counterfeit, the fool's gold version of it. So anything that God creates, Satan is going to try to take a imitation of it. And I had this phrase kind of come to me a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to put it up on the screen, I think. is. The imitation destroys the value of the original. The imitation destroys the value of the original. This is that way. So, so Jesus has his own kingdom of heaven. So Satan is going to create his own kingdom. And it looks just like it, but it's an imitation. It's a photocopy of a poor quality. Do you want proof? That imitation destroys its value. Here's a, 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 something that you can apply to your own life. Go through your pantry, go through your cupboard, and how many things do you have in there that are name brand, and how many things do you have in there that are like great value? Think about it. Right? We do. Why? Because it's the imitation. Someone took something that was created, they they created a cheap knockoff, and we buy a why convenience and lower price, right? And and, then I get it. We have great value stuff as well. And we're going to talk about that. But this is what Satan does. Satan creates the counterfeit. So now, if God had a photograph of your family, Satan will take a copy of that photograph, then make a copy of the copy, then make a copy of the copy, and this is what we buy. And, And there's practical ways this goes on. So let's take for a moment your innate desire, innate desire to want to have acceptance. It's okay to want people to like you. I want you to like me. I wish I had a blue check mark next to my my social media. I probably will never will, but I would be cool. Nothing wrong with that. But we are made with a desire to, to need to be wanted, to have someone accept us, to be included in a body. And God put that in you. But he put that in you so that you will be drawn to him, so that you will be drawn to a local church, so that you will be drawn into a body of believers, and so that we always have something that we're lacking. You've heard some preachers say it's a God-sized hole in your body, which is really weird to say, but, but I understand. But Satan then takes that same need... And he changes it. He pivots. He gives you the fool's gold version of it. And what do we do now? We now seek our acceptance through what Paul says, the creation rather than the creator. It doesn't make you a bad person. In fact, it makes you incredibly normal and average. But God didn't call us to be normal or average. God called us to be holy, to be set apart, to be sanctified. And so what's that look like? It's the major, biggest problem with young people today. Their ultimate desire is just to fit in and to feel acceptance and they will do anything it takes to fit in. Now, before you start saying, you're right, that's what's wrong with the youth of America. We do it too. Here's, let me pull back my rib cage for a moment and show you my heart. I've got to really protect my heart because I've got to. My tendency is to go see what other preachers are doing and how big their audience is and how many followers they have and how many times their sermons get likes and shares. and And I'll just tell you the truth, mine is very small, and and it and it bothers me. And what it does is it detracts me from my purpose because that's not why I'm here. Satan also does this with not just your desire for him but but your priorities he does this with your money you want to know another huge area in today's society that he's done this is sex like god created sex oh jason you shouldn't be talking about that i disagree god created it if we don't talk about it then we let the world and satan define the narrative of what god created i'm going to tell you right now spoiler alert in february <laughs> we're starting a series called god loves sex and it's going to stretch some of you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. And that's the point. I encourage you to bring your kids in here. Because they're hearing about it. It's just not from you or from the word of God. So be prepared for that. That's going to be uh, awkward. That's going to be exciting. But, but he's done this. God created this thing, right? And what has Satan done? He sold us the counterfeit version of it. And it's more than just the physical act. It's the purity behind it. It's the purity of your mind, purity of your eyes, purity of your mouth. Sex is just actually the fruit the root is a lack of purity. And it's pretty sad that my kids can't even watch network television without sexuality being just thrown in their face over and over and over again. It's the counterfeit. Any history people in here? Anybody like history? Not one. Oh, one person raised their hand. In the late 17th century, this guy by the name of Eli Whitney created a thing called the cotton gin. Everybody say Cotton gin. Somebody me said that very country, cotton gin. Yeah, the, the cotton gin is short actually for cotton engine. And Eli Whitney created this thing called the cotton gin. And what it was is it literally changed the world. It was a tool, a machine that could separate cotton way faster. So what happens is now you can cut cotton a lot faster. You can use less manual labor that you have to pay. And also it made the price of all cotton goods come down dramatically. But you see in the late 1700s, They didn't have the patent laws that we have today. So like now, you know, you go on Shark Tank, you create an invention, you put a patent on it, nobody can steal it, right? They didn't have that, or at least they were really archaic in in early on in the process of the cotton gin. And so Eli Whitney goes around and he starts trying to sell this new invention to farmers and they're like, this is going to change the world. And it did. But as soon as he went to a farmer and said, hey, you can buy this, the farmer starts looking at it like some of you would. And he's like, no, all you did was use that. And then you used this little piece. And um, for those of you that remember MacGyver, he could make one out of some rubber bands and a pack of corn nuts. But, But he starts looking around and he's like, you know, I could make this. And so the farmers started making cheap knockoffs and Eli Whitney never hardly made any money off of an invention that changed the world because the imitation destroys the value of the original. So remember that as we're talking about the strategy, which is the great counterfeit. I, I-, I want to tell you a story about my kids. Now, this is a box that is very important in the Ball household and it's Cheez-Its. Okay. Now I love Cheez-Its. Love it. Like we can't keep them in our house. In fact, I had a very large box of extra toasty Cheez-Its on Friday morning in my house when I woke up. I go there on Saturday, extra toasty large box is missing from my pantry. My wife, who was on a trip this weekend with several of our kids, why are y'all laughing? Oh, because you were a part of it sends me a picture of a bunch of kids. They all went on a trip this weekend. In the middle of all of those kids, I see a giant box of extra toasty Cheez-Its. And she says, oh, we'll bring back what the leftovers are. Bro, I just saw seven kids sticking their hand in this box of Cheez-Its. You keep it, all right? You keep those Cheez-Its. I've already had COVID, but there's probably germs in there way worse Keep the Cheez-Its. So this is the only one I had. And full disclosure, this is Pizza Cheez-Its, which is like at the bottom of the, of the scale of good-tasting Cheez-Its. Like, these are gross. If one of y'all want this box, you can have it. But my kids' hands have been in it. Just full disclosure. Who are you pointing to? Madison, you want this box? You can have it. Not right now, though. I need it for this sermon. So for those of you that don't know me, I was a school teacher for 10 years, middle school history teacher, all right, which is like you're stuck in the land of hormones and puberty for 10 years, and and so I, I was a teacher, and then I went straight in from that into being a youth pastor, so it's not like my household is flowing with excess income, all right, like I've made too many good decisions to be able to get a bunch of money from the government, can I get an amen, no, sorry, sorry, no, no, don't clap for that, don't clap for that, clap for my sermon, So we were looking to cut some corners. Like, where can we make some corners to cut to save some money? Because it's been a while since daddy's bought a pair of shoes and I need some new Jordans. So, so where can we, we cut corners? And I thought, man, we, we are going to cut corners by buying the generic brand of Cheez-Its. At this time, my kids were so young. I'm like, dude, these kids don't care. Whatever you put in front of them, they eat and half of it ends up on the floor. They'll never notice. And so I took the Cheez-Its. This was back when my wife was working on Saturdays. So I was a single parent on Saturdays. So which was terrible, but, but uh, props to any of you single parents, it's not easy, and so I put the Cheez-Its in their, in their bowl, and my oldest daughter is a tad bit dramatic. I don't know where she gets that from, but she's a tad bit dramatic, so she takes one bite of the generic brand Cheez-Its, she spits it out, and this is what she does, Ah. These are horrible, daddy. What are these? These are terrible. And I'm like, no, hold on, girl. Okay, hold on. That's way too too dramatic. They're Cheez-Its. Just eat them. In my mind, I thought, how on earth did she notice? I didn't even put the box on the counter because I know. She didn't even know how to read, but she would know. Oh, these are terrible. How did she know they were bad Cheez-Its? All right, let's take a crazy story and let's tie it into a deep theological truth. How did she know that these were counterfeit Cheez-Its? It's It's not because she had good experience with the counterfeit. It's because she knew what the real one was. It's the same way with money. The guys that are trained to be able to, to look at fake money, they don't spend their time looking at fake money. They spend all their time studying the real version of money. So when the counterfeit comes, they know right away, this ain't the real deal because the counterfeit changes. How do we apply that to our own life? That's why I am so passionate about men and women getting in the word of God. We've got two different virtual groups online, one for women, one for men. We're reading through the Bible. It's not too late to join. We have to do this now. Why? Because the only way you're going to recognize when there's counterfeit teaching or counterfeit preachers or false preachers so that you are not deceived is because you've studied the original. And when you studied the original, the counterfeit sticks out like a sore thumb. But if I'm the only Bible that you hear, then you will not be able to recognize whenever the counterfeit comes and it changes. It ebb and flows with society or what the Supreme Court of the United States says. But like I tell you that God's word is full of absolute truths and they are absolutely true. And that's we're celebrating. Come on. So let's look back to Ephesians 6, 12. We're going to go through this one more time. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start dissecting and unpacking this one little verse because there is so much in this one little verse. Ephesians six 12. Let's look through it again. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So first of all, one verse. The word against appears five times in one verse. That's a big deal. Five times in one verse. Now, whenever you see something in scripture that appears multiple times in a short spot, it's not because Paul has a stuttering problem. It's for emphasis. So if he's using the word against five times, he's telling you this is what we are against. And he uses the word wrestle. Now, now this means a lot to me. My boy Casey's not here today because he's serving in tiny town, but 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 wrestle is important to me because when I hear wrestle, man, I go back to when I was a kid, WrestleMania six Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior or WrestleMania five Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth deciding which one of these big muscular men covered in baby oil and tights that are throwing each other around, she's going to fall in love with. And like, I think of that, but the word is actually very different than that. It's not pro wrestling. It's the fake stuff where they actually fight. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but it really is. In the Greek, it's actually the word "pale," And "pale" with wrestle, to the audience, they would have known exactly what Paul was talking about. You see, it refers to a house of combat. And in this house of combat, your number one priority would be get to get your opponent to submit. Just tap out. Besides that, you have no rules. You can do anything as long as you get them to tap out. And ultimately, when somebody would tap out, usually one of two or both things would happen. They would literally get their eyeballs gouged out, like they would take their finger and put it behind the eyeball so they could pop it out of socket, or they would <laughs> or they I hope spaghetti's for dinner today. Or or you can take your thumb and your pointer finger and you can actually literally like a grape smash someone's eyeball. And the other thing they would do is they would take what's called fish hook, the man, they take your finger and they would do this until your cheek would rip all the way back to your ear. And normally Normally when one or two, <laughs> this girl right here is like, <gasps> yeah, I know it's disgusting, isn't it? But Paul knew what he was doing. He uses that strong of a word to let us know this ain't no joke. This is what we are fighting against. This isn't something casual. I want you to hear this. Satan takes the lives of your children more serious than you often do. And he does not sleep. And he does attack Constantly. And how often do we just dismiss the attacks of the enemy? If heaven is real, if Jesus is really the Messiah, then angels and demons are real, and Satan is real, and he is powerful. But what powers does he have? We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let's break down his counterfeit kingdom, the demonic kingdom. You see, there's four different things in the demonic kingdom. There's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. Oftentimes, we read this, and we kind of just dismiss it. We kind of just go over it, like we have it memorized. We don't know exactly what that means, but now's the time that has to end. And I want to say this. It's not because that we are taking and elevating Satan. But you got to know who your enemy is so you know the strategy when he comes at you and this is what we're talking about so the first one is principalities and principalities is the highest seat of power in the demonic kingdom some of the words in Greek it has like multiple meanings in one word that's why English is a is is not that great of a language when you start studying Greek and Hebrew and even Spanish but but it's okay. So principalities has this context of chief, supreme, and it even has this word ancient tied into it. So that lets you know it's painting this picture of these are ancient beings who are very powerful and have been studying human behavior for a long time. This is the highest level here on earth. Now, you got to remember, Satan is called the god of the air or the god of this earth. So there's your theology why the bad things happen to good people. is because at the Garden of Eden, man took the least to earth and he handed it over to Satan for now. But, but your principalities. The second one is powers. And your powers, they submit to the principalities. So this would be the second rung, and it would come down. They submit to the principalities, but your powers are interesting. So your powers, they have the ability to roam wherever they want and interfere with whoever they want. This is important. We're going to get to this in a little bit, but the powers of Satan, this category is actually interesting because it actually is the powers that Satan doesn't have. These are the powers that we give Satan that he doesn't really have, and the first one that he doesn't have that we think he does is is called omnipresence, omnipresent. God is omnipresent angels are not omnipresent. Satan, Lucifer, the day star, the son of the morning, he he is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at once. That is one power that God has when God created the angels. So he does not have omnipresence, which is why he has to have powers, because these are the ones that are roaming your area. Next week, I know I said it was going to be this week, but it's just too much for one week. We're going to talk about this number four here. We're going to talk about can demons have a particular area that they go over? Can they have a particular country that they're in charge of? Can a country be ruled by a demon in today's society? You're going to have to wait till next week to hear that one. My grandfather, who was a preacher said, always leave them wanting more. So number three, rulers of darkness of this world. This has the context of a military training center. So this would be, don't, don't you for a second think that, that Satan is not organized. So this is the idea of there is an, organize, an organization and they're training for particular purposes, for particular people, for particular instances. And that's what they're talking about with rulers of the darkness of this world. And the last one I touched on a little bit, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is talking about on earth, high places meaning it can be the White House, it can be the kingdom, it can be your boss at work. <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, I know where that... No, no, no. Ken, you better not say that. Ken works here at Center Point. You better not say that. Uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. These are foul, cruel beings, and oftentimes they're used for a particular purpose. So you kind of see that. So as Paul is talking about this, and he's writing this to the church at Ephesus, he's particularly talking about them in order. And then later on, when he's writing to other churches, he references powers and authorities and wickedness wickedness again. And so I want you to hear two of these types of scriptures, and these are amazing. Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities... He made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over them on the cross. This is him talking about Jesus. He's saying at the moment of the cross, he actually made a fool of these demonic forces because Satan thought, all I have to do to get rid of this earth is to kill Jesus. But by killing Jesus, he set the stage for him to conquer death. And it was actually the final nail in his coffin instead of driven in the wrist of Jesus. And that's we're celebrating. Can I get an amen? Come on. Some of you are acting like this is a funeral. This is a pep rally. Colossians 1.13, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. What is Satan afraid of? What is the strategy of Satan? To create the counterfeit. And the other thing, this is number two. Disrupt unity within the church. Disrupt unity within church. The church. I have this, this this is fantastic. I stole this from a preacher. The devil is not afraid of a big church. The devil is afraid of a unified church. This church could be 3,000 people and the devil would not care if he had his greasy fingerprints in it because it would not be effective. Effective. So how do preachers who you find out later were like, you know, they had all of these different impurities in their life. They were sleeping around or they were embezzling money. And how did the church grow? Well, the answer is very simple because the word of God never returns void. So if he can use a donkey in the Bible, he can use a preacher. But, but I can tell you this, that we can fill a room, but we will not have the anointing that can change a life if there is not unity in this place. I want you to go look at the world right now. We've never had the world, at least in the United States, I should say, more divided than it is now in the last couple of decades. Never. There's a couple of words I could say right now that would divide this place. I could say Trump. Woo, divide this place. I could say guns. Woo, divide this place. I could say Alabama. Woo, divide this place. That one I'm okay with. <laughs> Satan doesn't care if your church is large because it will be ineffective. It's a spiritual glutton sitting around in a rocking chair, not doing anything. But what would happen if Pentecost started here? There's less, pe- there's less people at Pentecost than there is in this room right now. That's what Satan's afraid of. Let me tell you something. This isn't even in my notes, this is free. I've worked at churches now for a while, some bigger, some smaller. I have never experienced pain as I have from other believers. In March, we're doing a series called Church Hurt. Some of you need to invite some friends. In the last couple of weeks, man, I got a message. I'm just going to say it. I hope you're watching. From a lady that doesn't even go to church here yet, never has seen me face to face before sent me a message that said because I changed the sign out front that I've desecrated this place and that God is going to judge me and that I've turned this church into a honky tonk. I don't even know what that means but and I'd like to tell you that it didn't bother me. I'd like to tell you that I just dismissed it but it distracted me from my purpose. Can I tell you this? I'm going to do whatever I can to be fishers of men but guess what? Fish don't eat food you eat. They don't. What do you like? Doritos? Pizza pockets? Put that on a hook. We're here for fishers of men. I put stuff on there that's going to attract people in here. But my goodness. You're going to distract someone and try to tear them down over painting brick? What's going to happen when real persecution comes in? We've got to be there for each other. The church cannot be divided over something as simple as painting a piece of brick or changing walls or putting lights on or having coffee in an auditorium. My goodness. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have this enemy. We have this enemy. I want you to hear Paul I want to end with that sermon, that message, so I'm going to wait a second. But, but let's talk real quick, we're almost done, about the strategies and the powers of Satan. We've already touched on it. He is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at once. The other thing is this, he's not omnipotent, which means omnipotent, which means he is not all-powerful. Satan is a created being, and he has limitations. How do we know that? Because he is created in a world, and in a system that God created. And he doesn't have the power to go past that. So think about your dog with like one of those electric collars on. Like you're the one that sets the parameters of where your dog can go. That's what it is for Satan. God set the parameters. Go read Job. Go, go, go read some of the prophecies. Go read Revelation. God set the boundary of where Satan can go and the time that he can go. And if he tries to cross that line, he has to come back. So we have to understand that. This is the algorithm to protect you and your family. Gentlemen, I'm talking to you because Satan stays up 24 hours a day for one purpose, to put your family in bondage. And what would it look like if you showed up to heaven and you were waiting and waiting and your kids never came behind you? This is serious. It's time that we take it serious. Here's the algorithm. Are you ready? Ready? You versus a demon, you lose. You versus Satan, you lose really fast. You plus God versus a demon is not even close. You plus God versus Satan is not even close. Satan is not the opposite of Jesus. We need to understand that. But we live our lives as if we're sitting in the stands, Watching a boxing match and it's Holyfield and Tyson, but it's Jesus versus Satan. And I've seen, some, I've seen some people share some memes on Facebook that shows like Satan and Jesus like arm wrestling. That's terrible theology. This isn't when, when, when Satan got kicked out of heaven, it was like a bolt of lightning. So this is not a battle. I saw someone post something. I don't think it was anybody at this church. And it had Donald Trump with like an angel behind him and it had Joe Biden with like a demon behind him. And I thought, first of all, you're never going to win anybody from the Lord when you put that divisive stuff out there. Second of all, that is terrible theology. Terrible. Satan and, the, and 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 Jesus are not battling it out. You versus Satan, you're in trouble. We need to understand that. So we need to have what is called intercessory prayer. I want to... I wanna, Start approaching the runway with this. Last week, I stood up here and I told you, please keep me in prayer because every time that I preach on Satan, every time I preach on demons or the strategy of Satan, bad things happen, crazy things happen, and I have the worst week ever. And I'm here to tell you, knock on cheap plastic from China, I... I want to tell you that I've had a pretty good week. <laughs> like, I slept pretty good, having a great hair day, uh, ate plenty of Taco Bell. Like, life is pretty good for me, but I also believe that I've been receiving text messages. This is why I love this church, the faithfulness of these people, sending me text messages almost every morning. Some people on Facebook say, lifting you specifically up in prayer this morning. I want to let you know that I'm praying for you. I want to let you know that this is what I'm praying for. And I swear to you, some of the people that have sent me that message, some of you sitting in these seats have had the worst week ever. And I really believe that you interceded on my behalf. And Satan said, I cannot touch him because he's covered with the prayer of the saints. So I'm going to go after you so that you'll stop praying. And then I can get both of you. I mean, it. I was just talking to Lucas. I think he's serving upstairs. And he said that at the wilderness, either this morning or last night, I may get these, these, um, these, facts mixed up, but he said that they were getting ready to go in and get their stuff and somebody had locked the deadbolt behind them, which is actually impossible because they didn't have a key. So they were going to be late to service because that room locked from the inside that no one did. Don't you tell me that Satan is not a part of that. This morning there was crazy stuff going on with the lights and the sound in here and the worship team had to stop and pray. Don't you tell me. That the God of this air, lowercase g, isn't a part of that. So next week, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to be talking about what actually happens. What do those battles look like? And where in the Bible are we talking about it? And do we see it? I'm also going to tell you about the story that I was a part of an exorcism. Because I'm telling you that if heaven and hell are real, in the kingdom of heaven and you believe in Jesus and you believe that he's the son of God and you believe in heaven, then you have to believe what he says, which is also that we have an invisible enemy that's at war and it didn't disappear at the cross. In fact, as we get closer to the end times, the demonic attacks are going to increase, which is why we've got to be unified, which is why we've got to know what the Bible says, which is why we can't let flesh and blood distract us from who our enemy is. The world is not my enemy. Opposite political party is not my enemy. People in the world, we often we will often expect the unsaved to act saved, and if they don't, they're our enemy. That's not what the word of God says. Humans are not our enemy. Our enemy is principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. And I want to end it with the word of God. I want I, I want you to hear what Paul wrote in Romans. And some of you have heard this verse many times. Some of you probably haven't memorized. Some of you may have it on a canvas hanging in your wall that you bought from Hobby Lobby, and you know you looked up that 40 or 50% off coupon on your phone. But this is the word of God that Paul was writing to the church at Rome as you have men who are having to decide do I make a stand for God knowing that my family is going to be covered in tar and lit on fire or they're going to be ripped to shreds by wild animals as the Romans celebrate. So this has power. And what does he use to encourage them during this dark time in church history? Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded. Another, another one says, I, another translation says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, and then he flips it over to the demonic angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created being, creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, (laughs) our Lord. So now that we have seen powers, authorities, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, as you read through the New Testament, you're going to start seeing these things light up and you're like, I've never noticed that before. Because that is a reminder of who our enemy is. And here's how I want us to end service today. I want us to end service by showing unity. And I want all of us in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to read that verse, those two verses together so that we can be reminded this is our rallying cry. This is what we're supposed to do. Can you imagine if the church never hurt anybody again, and we're unified in a purpose. What would it look like? I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked like the book of Acts. This is the fourth quarter, church. It's only a matter of time before God comes back, and once he comes back, the people that we know, the people that we love that don't know him, it will be too late. Now's the time that we press on. Now's the time when you fight for your children. Now's the time that we go on the offense. If God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.